Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th, my colleague Mark Joseph Stern and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hi, this is Josh Levine. I'm Slate's sports editor and the host of the sports podcast, Hang Up and Listen. It's August 24th, 2016, and this is kind of a Hang Up and Listen Olympics extra. It's more like a Hang Up and Listen Olympics greatest hit. Over the weekend, American boxer Clarissa Shields won a gold medal for a second consecutive Olympics, and afterwards she gave a totally winning interview with NBC's Chris Mannix. Let's listen. Larissa, congratulations. You're a two-time gold medalist now. You've talked a lot about strategy and how you're an improved strategy person coming in. What was the strategy against this opponent today? It was just to be smart, use my jab, and land the right hand when I could, and not get touched by those long arms she had. And I did it. You were, coming in, you were already the gold medalist, the best women's fighter in the world. What kind of statement did you want to make at these Olympics? Oh, I wanted to let it be known that I'm not just a great female boxer, but I'm one of the great boxers to ever live. I'm the first American to be a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay, two-time gold medalist. What's next for you? I don't know. I don't know what's next. I don't know. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah! Congratulations. Which brings us to why we're here today. A couple of months ago, Stefan Fatsis and I interviewed Clarissa Shields about her preparations for the Olympics and about a documentary about her life called T-Rex. Shields was joined for that interview by Sue J. Johnson, a producer of that documentary. And we're going to rerun the interview here for those of you who may have missed it because we thought it was a great conversation. If you like the interview and want to support the show, please consider subscribing to Hang Up and Listen in iTunes and writing us a review or subscribing to Slate Plus at slate.com slash hangup plus, where you can get bonus segments on the show every week. 
So here are me and Stefan and Clarissa Shields and Sue J. Johnson and an interview that we originally broadcast on June 27th. Enjoy. In 2012 in London, then 17-year-old Clarissa Shields won a gold medal in boxing. That was the first year that women were allowed to compete in the sport in the Olympic Games. Since then, the Flint, Michigan native has consolidated her position as one of the best boxers in the world by winning the last two world championships in the middleweight division, the most recent of those in Astana, Kazakhstan last month, where she was the only American to bring home gold. She's also the subject of a great documentary called T-Rex about the run-up to her star turn in the 2012 Olympics and what happened afterwards. In this clip from the documentary, some representatives from USA Boxing are speaking with Clarissa about how to make herself more marketable. I want every time you're on TV, if a potential sponsor sees you, for them to be drawn to you and say, oh, I want to work with that girl. But I would love for you to stop saying that you like being with people up and making you cry. You love me to stop saying that? Yes. Stop saying that. Why? Because you seem like you're a bullshit. When it comes to somebody wanting to get behind me and saying, I want this person to represent my brand. I box. I understand right, that. Right, right. I, I understand what you she's understand saying. You understand what I'm saying? It's like an image thing. It, you have to uh, kind of tone it down a little bit. I hear you say so many other things about being a role model in your community, wanting to be this and that, wanting to bring something positive to Flint and all of that. Yeah, that all builds on it. Okay, I can reword that. Okay. Just something to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us now are Sue J. Johnson, a producer of the documentary T-Rex, which is in select theaters, and you can rent it or buy it on Vimeo. And it'll also be on PBS's Independent Lens in August. And also Clarissa Shields, the subject of the documentary. Hey, guys. Hi. So, Clarissa, this is a safe space. And you can tell people that, you know, you can tell us that you like to beat up people and make them cry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be worried about that. But the great thing about this documentary, what I found so fascinating, is that in a lot of sports movies, fictional sports movies, you win the gold medal and then it's over and everyone's happy. This doesn't, the winning the gold medal kind of happens in the, in the middle of the film and you see what happens afterwards. And so what was that experience like for you winning in London and then just kind of going back to your regular life? Well, the strange thing about all of it was going back to school. I was in the 12th grade. I had Olympic gold medal. Uh, everybody just thought I was rich after the Olympics and just the whole experience. Uh, it was a little, you know, at the beginning, about the first year and a half, it was a little, it's a little sad for me. I felt like I got left out of a lot of things. Um, I didn't get any endorsements, you know, any sponsorships. And I kind of was, you know, I was still living in Flint, but I was still boxing. So, you know, I had got everything that I wanted, and that was the Olympic gold medal. But uh, I thought, you know, with the Olympic gold medal comes the endorsements and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's hard enough for Olympic athletes to support themselves between Olympic Games or between World Championships, you, in a way, as we see in T-Rex, you were doubly burdened. You grew up in some very difficult economic and personal circumstances and and became this Olympic idol and the sort of most famous person in this, in this hard scrabble city, Flint, Michigan. What was that like for you? And, and have you, how have you tried to sort of explain that to people since the, since the games, since London? 
you know, it's really not uh, it's really not much to explain. You know, I just you know I I had a tough upbringing, and you know after the games, you know even though I didn't get everything that I felt that I should have, it's kind of like I just left it in the past and moved forward and focused on you know my career after that. You know, um, still boxing in Rio is in two months. So I just kind of just put that behind me and start looking forward. And I've been undefeated for four years going into the games. Yeah, it's awesome. And you've only lost once in your entire career. And yeah. for a, <laughs> we we can see that in the in the film, but you overcome, you triumph, you triumph over adversity. But um, in any Olympic sport, but I think especially in ones like boxing, where people most people don't follow it in the four years in between. People don't see mm-hmm. the hard work that you put in and they don't even see these world championships that you win and and don't kind of understand all of the accomplishments. So does that feel weird to you or unfair to you that so much gets put on this one event that happens only every four years? Well, you know, I always feel like I'm a pretty big deal. Um, I, I decided a long time ago that just because the media or, you know, let's say Oprah and whoever else is big doesn't, you know, take attention to what I'm doing, that it's not a big deal. It's a big deal to me. I feel like I'm a mega superstar. Uh, I wish that it was on TV more, but since it's not, you know, I use my social media. And now that I have, you know, 14,000 followers and, you know, 11,000 followers on Facebook and stuff like that, I just kind of try to promote myself and, you know, show boxing on there. And uh, and I get followers and I get people that's uh, that's interested in it. But um, I always feel like what I'm doing is important. It's it's not it's not weird to me. It's just that I think that boxing itself has just uh, went downhill because you know after 2012 Olympics, you walked out of the Olympics with one Olympic gold medalist, and that was myself, and none of the men medals. So that kind of brung some of the attention down in amateurs box amateur boxing for the U.S. But uh, leading up to this games, you actually have some champions to look forward to fighting to fighting in the game. So that should be something that uh, you know, that is great for USA Boxing, and hopefully they'll maybe put us back on TV or something. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Clarissa and Sue. You connected when Clarissa was what fifteen years old, uh, sixteen, sixteen, and. Sue approached you about doing a radio documentary, (laughs) gave you a tape recorder and asked you to talk into it for a series that (laughs) appeared on uh, WNYC called Radio Diaries. And watching this movie, this is a different person from who you are now. This is a much younger girl. And now you are a 21-year-old woman. What's it like to watch T-Rex now? And what do you think of the, the person that's in that film? I'm I'm the same person. I just got older. And uh, I started caring about things that I didn't care about. But that 17-year-old was, uh, man, I, I was bold. I was still am, but it was like I was way more outspoken. And I didn't really care about how anybody felt about my opinions or how they felt about, you know, me being honest. I was, like, brutally honest with about everything, really. Uh, now that I'm 21, I'm just like, huh, I talk a little different. I talk a lot slower. Um, <laughs> I talk a lot slower, and you know, I and I keep a lot of you know my opinions to myself if I can bear it. Sometimes it's just like I gotta say this; I have to get this <laughs> off my chest. But but I know the whole 
a lot more things now. And uh, and I've learned that, you know, uh, some things deserve response and a lot of things don't. So I just kind of be like, okay, okay, okay. And so, and Sue, just, when, when you approached Clarissa, how did you find her and how is she different now than she was when you were making the, the radio documentary and, and the film? Oh, God, she was so quiet when I first met her. Uh, <laughs> I had been photographing the women who were going to try to make history by being the first women to box in the Olympics. And it was the very last tournament in this high school gymnasium in Toledo, Ohio. And nobody had seen Clarissa fight because she'd been in the junior division and she and her coach Jason would drive across the country looking for a fight and the coaches would see her warm up and they would pull their fighter. So so she was like pretty much an unknown coming in and uh, she enters the ring and I think you stop that fight in like 30 seconds. And I just hadn't seen anybody fight with that kind of just um, completely un, uh, uninhibited power before. And so I approached her and Jason and, and asked if I could photograph them and document them. And we sat down and we did like a, I don't know, like a two-hour, four-hour interview. And you talked a lot. And Jason afterwards said to me, her coach, um, you know, thank you. I, I, you know, we spent all this time together, but I didn't know much of that because we don't really talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> we don't, we didn't really talk just about boxing. Yeah. And I don't, and you also, you also said to me, nobody's asked, asked me these questions before. And I think that the process of being interviewed really made you think about things that you had never been um, asked to think about before. Yeah. So, you you were quiet. The one of the first things you said to me was that you before boxing you wanted to have ten kids by the time you were twenty six. Yep. And that and that to me was like, oh my god, there's so much at stake here. This is this is about so much. Did the documentary cause any kind of trouble within your family, Clarissa? I mean, there are some moments in there where your sister is saying, you know, things about your stepfather, and I just I, I wonder how all of that kind of played and how it maybe changed the dynamic within your family? No, no. Uh, the film was brutally honest and uh, you said my stepdad. I think he's talking about your mom's boyfriend. Oh, that's not my stepdad. But my mom and uh, my mom and that guy are still together and my sister gets along with that guy now. Uh, my mom seen the documentary. She was fine with it. Because everything was the truth, you know. If I would have, you know, over exaggerated anything or any, or something like that, she would, you know, said something. But everything was the truth, and um, I actually had a conversation with my mom before I even started talking, you know, talking openly about, you know, her being an alcoholic and uh, stuff like that, and just about like my how I felt my uh, childhood went. And um, when I when I talked to her. And I let her know, like, 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 you know, I was going to ask these questions and, you know, if it was okay for me to tell them, you know. And she was like, yeah, t tell them the truth. So that's what I did. And since the film came out, your life has changed a lot. You've left Flint. You've moved to Colorado Springs to be at the Olympic yeah. Training Center. And it is clear in T-Rex that your relationships at home with your coach, Jason Crutchfield, with whom you were living, um, with with him and his wife and with your own family were definitely challenging. Is that mm -hmm. what motivated you to 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 move to to find new coaching and and to to become part of the Olympic establishment rather than this sort of outsider who was uh, in Flint, Michigan? You know what? Um, the move had honestly nothing to do with 
with any of them. It was a sign. It was a sign from God. He had been telling me for a long time just to leave Flint. And it wasn't that I wasn't supposed to be there. It was just that um, there were more opportunities mm-hmm. outside of Flint. And also, I had went through a time where I was uh, pretty depressed. And it was about like a year and a half, about a year and a half ago. And um, I was thinking about quitting boxing because um, I just felt like nothing in my life was going right. And then, you know, uh, boxing was just, it's, it's really not that hard for me, but it was like really hard at home. So I was just like, I really, you know, need to get away from, you know, what makes me not happy. And uh, at the time, you know, I was dealing with my family. I'm dealing with, you know, with the with the coaching thing and it was more of like you know what boxing is what really makes me happy even though I love my family to death you know boxing keeps me sane it keeps me relaxed and I just want to be where I can sleep and train you know without having any problems so that's what I decided to do that's a mature um, decision to make that's not an easy decision for a 19 or 20 year old to make nobody really knew I was serious you know I kind of just packed up a big old bag and then um, I actually flew down to uh, to Colorado Springs at first, and then I had came back and I picked up my car. And then you know when I had all my stuff in my car, and my family was asking where I was going, I said, "I'm going back to Colorado Springs." And um, that's when everybody was like, "Wow, you really, she really just up and left." Like I just I didn't really ask anybody how they felt about it. I just kind of was like, "This is what's best for me, and this is what has to happen." You know, uh, if I want to do what I want to do for this Olympics. And my and my goal was, in which I did a great job, was to remain undefeated, to win the world championships twice, to, you know, get my life in order with my managers and with my agents and make sure that I have the right build-up for the Olympics. So this time, you know, I will be respected and I will get what I, you know, um, earned and deserve. You know, just besides the gold medal, but, you know, also get the endorsements and be known, you know, worldwide. So once I started that quest, that's when all the endorsements and sponsorships and ESPN, HBO and everything started rolling in. Even with the film T-Rex, you know, I was going around uh, going to some of those uh, film festivals and doing a a Q&A after meeting all types of kids in different areas. So, you know, I was kind of just just expanding. Sue, um, how much of it was kind of explicit in making the film that you guys wanted to document what I perceive to be a really fundamental unfairness here, which is the kind of amateur requirement in boxing and the Olympics is a relic of the past. It doesn't exist in a lot of other sports in the Olympics. And a lot of people around Clarissa just seem to assume and hope like, She's going to win the gold and then, you know, cha-ching. And there's not really an explicit pathway for that to happen. But the fact that you have to remain amateur to be in the Olympics and, you know, you win, you get famous or get known, and then kind of nothing happens. Like how much of of that was something that you really felt that that you needed to show? Well, you know, Clarissa's got this like double – hurdle in that um so she's an olympian but she's an olympian women a woman boxer and there's so much resistance in this culture to that so don't say you like to beat people up (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's you know it's funny because there's been such um crossover in mma but in boxing it's still this complete patriarchy and and culturally 
uh, you know, I would say a lot of Clarissa's biggest supporters are are older women who totally get what she's doing and what she's come through and what she's overcome. But um, but it's like getting a lot of people on board to uh, try and support her and and open up the the doors for her to do what she wants to do. So in the film. Uh, yeah, like, you know, we, we kind of, I feel like we kind of saw this coming, like there were these, um, lots of hopes and dreams on, okay, this gold medal, this gold medal. And the truth is like, yeah, like that should have, that should have resulted in a lot more support than she got. But at the same time, it, uh, the lack of support and endorsements, it really gave Clarissa time to, to grow. I think, I mean, I don't know, Clarissa, like what it would have been like for you if you had, been showered with lots of <laughs> money at that time. I don't think I don't think you were ready for it. I tell people that all the time. Honestly, I tell them, you know, you know, God say good things come to those that wait. I didn't talk this. I didn't talk this well when I was seventeen. I wasn't this open, and you know, at the time, I really didn't even care about my appearance or being a role model. So, I think now, you know, for me, I think if I would have got it then, I would have to kind of have to be restarting. You know, right now, like, like I think that I would still be 17 in the mind right now instead of, you know, being 21. So I, I did a lot of growing in the last four years. So oh, you, you I, cared, I feel you on that. You cared about your appearance at the prom, though. We saw that in the film. <laughs> Who doesn't want to look good at the prom? <laughs> <laughs> well, part of that growth also is recognizing your circumstances and what they do to you, isn't it? I mean, your relationship with Jason Crutchfield, your coach, I'm someone who mentored you, brought you into the sport. But you see in the film that something's just not right about going forward that I could see, I felt for you that you needed sort of management and you needed outsiders to come in and help you navigate the bigger world. Yeah, for a long time, I was by myself with that. Yeah. Um, you know, after the games, of course, my manager was Jason. He was my coach. Uh, he was basically everything. And then, you know, I signed with this agent who was not, good I signed I signed with one agent that wasn't good but I but I've dealt with two and it was just like you know what um I just felt like he controlled too much of my life it was like if we got into it at the gym he wouldn't talk to me at the house or he wouldn't you know answer the emails and then if we got into it you know it just was like you know boxing was kind of like if we got into it at the house he you know at the gym he wouldn't barely talk to me it, it just got really a uh, really hard to deal with and um I think you know I always think about it from my point of view but I think about it from his now, and it's like maybe he was frustrated also, you know, because I kind of just was like after the first year, I was like, I'm not um, I'm not about to live in where I should be and what magazines I should be in. I was like, I, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to live in that place. So I kind of just was like, you know, I'm Clarissa Shields, the Olympic gold medalist, and I'm figuring out my life from here forward. Like, like I'm not going to, you know, think about, all the endorsements and everything. And I think kind of even with him, uh, he had a dream also, you know, for the Olympic gold medal, but uh, it was more. So I think maybe he got frustrated with that. And then at that, you know, I was getting older and he just couldn't, you know, let uh, let it go that I wasn't a little baby anymore. You know, I'm 18, I'm 19 years old. I'm, you know, living by myself. I got drive a car now and stuff like that. You know, I don't think uh, – I think it's hard for, for for any father to try to, you know, look past that. But stuff just happened. I think your relationship with him now just is like a sign of your maturity too. I mean you guys have you guys have come a long way and yeah. seeing each other for who you are. Yeah, in, in what ways, Sue? How how has that relationship changed? 
Well, I think one thing was even just the two of you seeing the film together. Like at the time that they saw the premiere, they hadn't spoken for a while. And um, and I was sitting in the aisle next to them when they were sitting in this, they were sitting pretty close to each other. And then the fight scenes come on and Jason turns to Clarissa. He's like, did you see that? Did you see how she's moving her foot? You move her foot. And, and the two of them are just like engaged. They, they forgot that they weren't speaking because they were talking about <laughs> boxing. Um, but Clarissa, the first one of the first things you said to me after you saw the film was like, wow, you know, like I really I see now how much Jason – sacrifice it's like when you're a kid you don't know what your parents do during the day and like you see in the movie jason's you know up he's a lineman in in detroit like you know goes drives an hour each way he wasn't getting paid for this coaching the coaching is free and clearly you recounted one time that you said he you always look forward to him being in the gym and one night he wasn't there and you called him and you said hey coach are you coming in and he said you know i'm just i'm really tired and you said oh okay and then you said like an hour later you looked up and there was Jason in the gym. Yeah. Like he just – he couldn't not be there for you. And so so I think, you know, it's like part of growing up. You recognized your your parents as as human beings. So I, I think that that has happened for both of you. I think Jason also when he saw the film saw Clarissa as – with some objectivity, with that distance and like, oh, yeah, you know, she's she, she does know what she wants. And I have to let her try that for herself. So, so is your plan, Clarissa, to turn pro after the Olympics? You know, I'm trying to take it one uh, one tournament at a time. <laughs> <laughs> that makes good, sense. Good athlete you know. answer. Good. Very mature. Yeah. Very mature answer. Um, what did you think of the movie Creed? Oh, man, they need to go and make another Creed and, you know, put me in it. But the movie <laughs> Creed was a uh, – I got a I, – I, I actually was able to meet uh, Michael B. Jordan in person. And uh, I think as far as in, you know, everybody watches Rocky and they like, you know, Rocky is like a total, you know, it's, it's made up and you can tell it's somebody who never boxed before. But uh, with uh, with uh, Creed, you can actually see that uh, Michael B. Jordan, he actually trained some and uh, you can tell he had like some skills. He I don't think he can do, you know, anything in the professional boxing now. But oh, I think you kick his ass. I think he has a lot of <laughs> he has a lot of skill, <laughs> and uh, he has some great teachers teaching him. As far as because you can see when he first started, where he was on a wall, you know, learning a jab, and then you see where he's like actually learning like the combinations and learning to slip, and you're like, okay, this is decent. This is some decent <laughs> skill you got going on. So I was like, you know, I have to give you respect. You know, good job with that. You had a pretty decent form, and I told him I said this come from an Olympic gold medalist. So, <laughs> you know, feel proud of yourself. <laughs> Uh, Chris, you talked to the undefeated, the new ESPN website about Muhammad Ali's death. Um, yeah. You weren't alive to see Ali box, obviously, um, or to recognize his, his his contributions to society in an immediate way when it was happening. But it sounds mm-hmm. like it, he actually meant something to you. Yeah, of course. You know, it's not just that he meant something in boxing, but I love the fact that uh, how he made me feel as being – you know, not just a boxer, but being an African-American, you know, he, he spoke about things that other boxers would not speak about and that boxers would not speak about till this day. You know, not like like not even celebrities. He used his platform to help people, not just African-Americans, but all people. And everybody loved him. When I when I heard that he passed, I felt like I felt like a part of me was taken because it was like now, you know, it's crazy. I was able to meet Floyd Mayweather. And um, I I just wish that when I met, you know, Muhammad Ali, that he was able to, you know, he was still he was still ill. He wasn't really able to talk. Wait, wait, wait. You got to meet Ali? I met Muhammad Ali, yeah, Where? four years ago in Where? Philadelphia. What were the circumstances? Were you boxing there? Was it an event? 
Actually, me, Layla Ali, Lonnie Ali, um, we were able, and also Terrence Howard was there also, um, we were able to give him the Liberty Medal in Philadelphia that year. And uh, I don't know what the Liberty Medal stood for, but I know it was something big. I, can, I really can't remember. But me and a girl named Susan announced Terrence Howard, and Terrence Howard announced Layla Ali. And then, then we were all on stage, and she gave Muhammad Ali, her father, the Liberty Medal. All right, Clarissa, you're going to be going to Rio soon. And how how many fights do you um, have to win? Uh, what, what's what's the schedule looking like for you? Maybe four fights, three or four. And have you sized up the competition? Sized up all of them. I beat everybody at least once. And, um, you know, recently I fought against, you know, I don't know. I kind of, like, build these fights up in my head before they happen. And uh, two, we- uh, two years ago um, at the World Championships, in South Korea, I boxed against, um, you know, China in the finals. But I thought I should have been boxing against a girl from the Netherlands, and her name is Nushka. And uh, she's pretty tall, and she's a heavy hitter. And uh, for the last two years, I was just telling myself, I just can't wait to fight her. I just can't wait to run into her. I really want to fight her. And it's like uh, every time somebody – so she was ranked number three in the world. And uh, every time somebody is ranked that high and I haven't fought them – uh, there's always, you know, some talk, you know, there's always, oh, she may can do this with Clarissa. She may can do that. So I love to, um, you know, once again, prove the doubt is wrong, prove that I'm the best, prove that I cannot be beat by anybody. And uh, so for the last two years, she's been like an opponent that I've been hitting on in the gym, on the bag, you know, uh, moving around in the ring with moving my head, with, you know, working on just boxing against against her because I thought she was top competition. And um, I was able to fight against her in the finals at the Worlds that just passed. And, I mean, I dominated her, you know, 3-0 decision. Uh, that's unanimous for those that don't know. And um, it, was a, it, was, it was a pretty good fight. I mean, it wasn't like she was competitive, but I'm just great. I'm just great at what <laughs> I do. So I, so I can say, you know, she, she was competitive, but I already had a game plan for her. And it was like, you know, as much as she was thinking about, you know, maybe running into me, I was thinking about running into her. So uh, it was a great match. And um, the women have definitely uh, advanced in, you know, in their skill over the last four years. So I look forward to the Olympics and I look forward to the competition. And uh, hopefully I get a knockout there. I knock somebody out. That's my goal. And I think you should get knock somebody out and also get that new nickname, She Goat. Wow, where'd you hear about <laughs> that at? I got That's sources. That's what they should I definitely got, I got call sources. me. I got sources. She goat. You, I wonder who do you talk to because I haven't really said that much. But definitely, they should definitely call me she goat from now on. Um, and um, I have I have thought about female goat, but I like she goat better. <laughs> I think she goat definitely rolls yeah. off the tongue better. <laughs> Um, I have bad news for you, Clarissa. I don't doubt you. So you're not going to be fueled by by any doubts on this podcast. We uh, we are believers in Clarissa Shields, and we're gonna, we're looking forward to uh, watching you in Rio. And if you want to see the documentary, it's really great. Um, you can see it in select theaters now. You can rent it or buy it on Vimeo, and it'll be on PBS's independent lens in August. Sue J. Johnson and Clarissa Shields, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank, thank you. you. For 
Hope you enjoyed that interview with Clarissa Shields. If you'd like to give us feedback, email hangup at slate.com. Become a fan of Hang Up and Listen on Facebook at facebook.com slash hangupandlisten. Our intern is Laura Wagner. Our producer is Mickey Capper, the executive producer of Slate's podcast, and Steve Lichtai. And Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. Hang Up and Listen as part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at itunes.com slash panoply. Remember Zelmo Beatty, and thanks for listening. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.